So welcome back once again to another Coffee and Heroes podcast and time now for another creator interview. So this is going to be a very special episode. We're celebrating 150 episodes of the Coffee and Heroes podcast. A good three years we've been doing this now, four years for the store as well. But uh, it's uh, this is a big one. I'm really looking forward to this. It's a distinct possibility that without exposure to the work of my guest this evening, there may not actually be such a thing as Coffee and Heroes. I was very much a casual graphic novel reader until I saw a single issue of Detective Comics 871, subtitled The Black Mirror, when I was picking up a trade in Forbidden Planet in Cambridge one day. One brilliantly written and superbly illustrated issue later, my single issue collecting began, and thank you very much for the expense, it hasn't let up since. Our guest this evening is a genuine titan of not just the comic industry, but also has worked extensively in the world of film design, from wardrobe design to character, vehicle and even landscape design and also original poster art working closely with premium producers such as Mondo for poster drops that sell out in minutes, believe me I know. His work is known worldwide and resulted in collaborations with filmmakers such as Gilmore Del Toro, Alex Garland, Peter Berg and many more. It is undoubtedly his distinctive, energetic and visceral art that caught my eye and it will be forever associated with some of my favourite comics. Detective Comics, The Batman Who Laughs, 2000 AD, Wolverine, Daredevil, Superman, Green Arrow, Constantine... You name it, he's drawn it. And that's before you even get into creator-owned work such as The Losers, Witches, Snapshot, and defining covers for the likes of Jason Aaron and R.M. Guerra's Scout. And then there's the fact he drew an iconic poster for my favourite ever movie, John Carpenter's The Thing. It is my genuine pleasure this evening to be talking to Mark Simpson, though to comic fans you may be more familiar with the name Jock. Good evening, sir, and how are you? Hey, uh, wow, that's, that's quite an intro. Thank you very much for your kind words. Uh, wow, uh, thanks for having me on. That's an absolute pleasure. I mean, it may be a simple question up first, and the answer could be straightforward given you were originally born in Scotland, but where does the name Jock come from? Oh, it's a trade secret. I can't tell you that. Oh, if... I thought I'd trip you up early on. You know, you'd be relaxed and, and would maybe let that slip. <laughs> Can I just say, I had no idea that, uh, that, 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 that my favourite bit of that intro, and you were very kind, but my favourite bit was saying that... Um, uh, that the shop might not exist. I mean, that's incredible. Um, um, uh, you know, unless it turns out to be a, a huge life choice disaster for you that, that, I've, <laughs> that I've somehow got contributed to. Uh, that's I'm really amazing. I'm, I'm joking. I'm really amazing. That's really amazing. And um, uh, thanks for picking up that 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 Batman issue. Yeah, I mean, that was where it started for me. I used to just be a big trade reader. A friend of mine handed me Batman Year One one time after Batman Begins came out and said. If you like this, read this. And I was very much just a casual trade reader, but that was the first one that I saw that single issue wise, I picked that up and went, yeah, I can't wait for trade for this. So uh, yeah, you've definitely had an influence on, on Coffee and Heroes existing. Um, wow. I mean, in an industry as jam-packed with talent as the comic industry is, I don't think it's too much of an exaggeration to say your work is distinctive and, and immediately recognizable. Who, who were your influences growing up? Uh, yeah, um, so... Early on, I mean, well, to begin with, um, it was when I picked up 2000 AD when I was about maybe 14. That um, that 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 that's what made me want to draw comics. Basically, I, I, I enjoyed drawing a lot. I was I was you know sort of good at art at school, sort of in inverted commas, and you know I, I, it was something that I, I I loved. But it wasn't until I saw 2000 AD that that really made me uh, want to do what I'm now doing. Um, you know, so. You know the plethora of incredible artists that, have, that were in 2080 over the years. You know, and, and at that time, you know, all the typical. You know, I love Dread. So, Mick McMahon, Brian Bolland, Steve Dillon, Ron Smith. Um, you know, uh, Dave Gibbons, Kevin O'Neill. I mean, that 
we were spoiled for, for artists in, in 2008. And I realized how lucky I am uh, being in the, in the um, generation that had that at, at, at that age. You know, that was quite a unique thing. I think, um, and, and and I think we all now realise what a unique thing that that was at the, at the time, and the effect that those creators have had on the the comic industry as a whole. So yeah, so it was 2008 that first got me wanting to do it, and then as you know, a few years later, I, I really got into painting. So it was you know the more painterly guys and that were doing more what I thought was kind of uniquely kind of just basically more interesting work you know Dave McKean, Kemp Williams, John J. Move, Bill Sienkiewicz um that really like when I that was about art college age so so I was thinking more kind of maybe you know thinking I was enjoying the richer stuff not that 2008 didn't have that but just that at the time painted comics was was like a new thing and and, and it seemed to to broaden uh the, the like the prospects I guess of, of storytelling you know you know with art um you know, now actually some of that stuff hasn't aged so well, you know, and and, and I'd say that, you know, traditional black and white art is, is, pro, is, is probably stronger than a lot of that stuff. But at the time, though, that, 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 that there was a flair to the, to the painter stuff that really got me excited and made, made me want to kind of like somehow integrate the two. So, yeah, so, so I started off painting, really, and I did a lot of painting. And, and it wasn't until I sent some samples to Andy Diggle at 2080. And uh, I mean, this is a, this is a condensed version of the story, but he basically phoned me up and said, can you do 12 black and white pages in a month? And I hadn't drawn any black and white pages for years. And I just said, yes. And, 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 you know, and that was my first Judge Dredd job. And, and, and I haven't been out of work since. So I, I, I was kind of learning on, on my feet. Um, and when, um, because of that, I guess around about that time, I loved um, I loved the approach of uh, using quite a lot of black. I loved Mignola, uh, Duncan Fogredo, Sean Phillips. I loved Dean Ormson stuff as well on 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 his on, on Tedeschi, but particularly his Vertigo work. Um, so there, so there were maybe some direct influences at, at the time, but but I've just kind of tried to just do my own thing really. And luckily, comics sort of you know they're kind of magic like that. They, 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 if, you know, if it works out, they do let you have your own take on things. And that's actually what hopefully readers see. And certainly what I like about creators that, you know, is the, is the unique quality of various writers and artists. So, um, so, uh, yeah, you know, this it's, it's been a bit of a long road and, and, you know, you never stop being influenced by all kinds of different things, but I'd say they were kind of, that was my most, you know, comics wise, that was my most direct, you know, that, um, uh, influences I would say. Yeah, I mean, I, I was reading somewhere, I found it really interesting that you said you essentially learn by reverse engineering art. You know, I, I, I don't think I've ever known of anyone who's approached it like that. Is that a common sort of process in comics, you know, sort of looking at it and working backwards? Or is that quite a unique, uh, a unique way of doing it? I don't know. I, um, you know, I, I, I sort of didn't know any other, uh, any other way, really. I, I sort of tried to hunt down art that I really liked, and then I sort of studied it a lot and tried to figure it out you know um i was always really into the, the the people that could draw very very well people that had a good grasp of anatomy and figure work and a natural sort of kind of flow and energy to their work they were always my, my favorite guys and it still bugs me how many comic artists are very stiff you know and very tight and very kind of uh you know this sort of overly detailed for the sake of making it look pretty, but um, but maybe the drawing underneath isn't isn't so good, you know. And I'm not saying my drawing is 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 is, is better than everyone else's or anything like that, but it was certainly 
I, I, I sort of love the guys that could draw really well and, and could paint really well. And um, yeah, me and my friend Dom Reardon, who uh, draws 2000 AD as well, we used to hang out a lot and, and just study study this stuff and try to figure out how it was done and kind of you know try and apply that to our own work. You know, and and, and, it, and it's a sort of it's a it's a slow slow process, but but I, I guess that's what I did. Yeah, I suppose that's all about, you know, as you say, learning your craft, learning the process and so forth. Yeah. I mean, I, I understand early on that Glenn Fabry had some uh, words of wisdom for you. I yeah. believe it was at a, a regional convention in Scotland. It was, yeah. It was uh, my first, well, it wasn't actually my first uh, comic convention. My very first comic convention was a Glasgow convention in 93 when I had no idea what I was doing. And I thought I would go up and just get work at straight away. I was just out of art college and I'd um, been rejected from doing a doing a, um, a degree I couldn't get in I did like a foundation course just for one year and I couldn't get into any, any other college I think they could smell the comics on me you know like, <laughs> and, and at the time that was not cool in our yeah. colleges they yeah they were they were far more highbrow than that um, I'm sure that must have changed now I'd be quite interested to know but uh, anyway um, yeah so but it was my first comic going from after spending quite a lot of time with Dom we were both drawing a lot of stuff nearly every day we were we were together and 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 working through stuff and um yeah we we hitchhiked up to Glasgow in 95 and I I I live in Devon so that's a long way um but but we we left about 9:30 in the morning and made it there about 11 at night um in my homemade trousers, long hair, sort of thing, and my portfolio under my arm, you know, kind of, and and uh, I, I, I can remember the work that I had, you know, and, and and I'd say there was, you know, it certainly wasn't ready by any stretch, but um, yeah, the first person we showed it to was Glenn Fabry, who uh, I was 21, I think, and Don was 18, and Glenn, uh, excuse my language, but Glenn literally said, "Why are you showing it to me? Fuck off and make some money." <laughs> and um, and there was a there was a guy stood by the table called Craig, who I've never met since, a big Canadian guy, and he went and told Steve Steve Manis, who was the, who was one of the editors of 2008 at the time, and so Steve came looking for us and kind of took us on, on, under his wing a little bit, you know. Um, Steve was Steve was an amazing influence on on, on the both of us and really um, supportive and helpful. So Steve came looking for us and just kind of kept in contact over the next few years. Like I say, we weren't really ready at that point, but um, but uh, but we did get our first pin up in 2008 as a you know from that show. So yeah, I mean, Glenn, Glenn's a great uh, early influence. Clearly for both of us, we met him at uh, there was a, a Comic Con in Lisbon in the Econ Center, and we'd only been open maybe about three months, and I was up with my my other half, Vicky, and she's she owns half the business as well. And I was so nervous, I couldn't even go over to Glenn. I was just like, oh, that's Glenn Fabry. And he had these <laughs> preacher prints, and uh, he wrote this one at the bottom saying, good luck to Coffee and Heroes, not that you'll need it. And then drew yeah. like a little picture of Arse Face like he likes to do. So clearly that man should be a motivational speaker for you know <laughs> people who want to succeed. So, I mean, how important was that early relationship with Dom Reardon? I mean, I take it you guys were integral to pushing each other to, to succeed? Yeah, I wouldn't be talking to you if, if, if it wasn't for Dom. He, he, had, he had an approach to, to drawing and just his whole approach to, to, to it was so sort of different to what mine was at the time. And it was, it was just invaluable for, for me. Like he, he was so thoughtful and considered and, and, and slow actually in some ways, but in a really good, in a really, in a really nice way, he'd, he'd see sort of, you know, he often, often with a drawer, you can kind of, you either put the pencil down on the paper and start moving it around and try and find what you're doing, 
but I sometimes think that it's it's you know it can be more effective if you can see the thing you're drawing almost before you start drawing it, and then you then you push the pencil around the the the, the you know what what you what you're imagining in your mind. And Dom was really good at that. I could tell he was he was see he was see it before he was putting the pen to paper. He was seeing what he was doing, and then he just try and show it sort of thing. And that was very different to, to me at the time. And and it was it was I remember. Some of our, our first work was for uh, uh, Wizards of the Coast when they had a um, uh, they had a branch in Glasgow, funnily enough, and we met them that same convention actually, and, and we got some of our first work from there, and we we were doing some sort of painted little kind of illos for the role playing game books and stuff, and I remember Dom airbrushing like a like a stomach, and and just he looked at it for ages, then he just did a few little dashes, and suddenly there was this fully formed, beautiful kind of six pack on this shaktar, this this creature. I can just remember it was like it was it was like he was conjuring out of thin air, and it really made me think much harder about what I was doing and how I was approaching it. And, and um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not putting, I'm not being too melodramatic, but um, when I say that um, there's no way I'd be doing what I'm doing without him, it was there were there were great great times, and um, and uh, yeah, we he's, he lives a couple of miles away, so we still see each other. Uh, it's lovely here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, do you, do you still have any of that early work, or has that been lost to yeah. the aeons of time? No, yeah, yeah, I've, I've I've got laser copies of stuff. Yeah, I I nearly put I put some on Twitter actually. Like I found an old um, Hellblazer cover that that I did before oh, yes. I was, yeah, I was right. published. I put online, and I found some old Dread stuff and Judge Death and bits and pieces that were kind of from around that time. Yeah. Do you still look at that really critically and go, "Oh, that's terrible," or do you look at well, it and see the journey? You know. You know so, I mean, the hardest stuff is comic pages, you know, telling a story visually on on one, you know, sequentially. Um, and when I look at the story pages that, that I did back then, they're they're horrible. They're literally just, just terrible. But but some of the little drawings that you know, there's still something to them. And they and, and there was, you know, I was I was really kind of I was hungry at the, at the time. So there's a sort of there's something to them that I just remember quite fondly. Actually, you know, um, I'm very self-critical, but actually, you know. They are what they are, and they're from a time so long ago now that I, that I can't, you know, even even if I'm critical of them, it's not about about me now. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. you know, they're just kind of they're they're of their time, you know. Yeah, that's understandable. I mean, from there, as you say, you go on to 2000 AD. I mean, it seems that every notable British creator of the last few decades <laughs> cut their teeth there in some way. How was your experience there? Yeah, fantastic. Um, it was through Andy Nigel. But, but by the time, so I'd been plugging away, trying to get work for seven years. And by this point, we'd had our first our little boy as well. Our first child was born in 98. And I think I got my first proper work for 2008 in 99 or 2000. So I really should have had a proper job by by this point. Um, we were so skint, had no money. And I was still just kind of plugging away up in my little partitioned bedroom studio, trying to kind of make this work. Um and um, yeah, so so it was really about it was through meeting Andy, him liking my work, me being like I remember I saw him at a Bristol show um, at the Watershed, and he sort of said, you know, I like it, but it's not for 2008, and I kind of pushed back a little bit. Said, well, you know, what is it about this that you don't like? You know, because I, I kind of want to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, so we struck up a bit of a relationship, and then yeah, it, it was him that gave me my first work, and then I did my first Dread story, the one I mentioned. And then David Bishop, who was the editor of 2008 at the time, phoned me to offer me a dread story in the main 2008 rather than the magazine, which 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 Andy was looking after. And um, 
you know, I, I wasn't there for very long, just two or three years. But um, you know, I loved Judge Dredd. I was Dredd was probably still is my favourite character in lots of ways. He's, you know, and um, um, I just immediately sort of uh, uh, went towards drawing Dredd. And 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 whenever there was, sort of, you know, and I, I, whenever there was kind of like a poster for for Dreadcon or. They'd asked me to do it, so then people seem to like the way that, that I draw Dread, and, and I'm and I'm pretty convinced that's just because you have an affinity with the characters that you naturally like, and 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 you probably draw them in a way that, you know, other other readers that, that like them will have an affinity for, because you you know you're sort of um, you know you're invested in, in the character, and I, I was certainly invested in Dread. He was my favourite, and um, you know it was it was it was brilliant it was a it was a great couple of years my only regret is that i didn't do more dread stories really i, I would have loved to have done a few sort of you know longer stories or just had a bit more of a kind of stamp on on you know a few of the stories that have become sort of canon you know kind of, kind of the evergreen stories um but it was no it's fantastic and 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 you know when i then when i met karen berger from vertigo at a bristol show you know, I went up and said, oh, I'm Jock. And she went, oh, you're Jock. And I was like, oh, <laughs> you know. And, and that's, Reputation that's, precedes me. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and that's, that's 2000 AD for you. You know, it, it's, um, I've, I'm never a fan of, of the idea that, that it's a stepping stone to the US, you know, and I was, and, and I will always try and do work for 2000 AD. I love, to, I love 2000 AD. And, you know, they know that, I, I hope. Um, you know, I was never cynical about it. I thought it's, it was, it was, um, but nonetheless, I did actually do that kind of well-worn path of, of a few years in 2008 and then get kind of spotted, you know, by, by the States and, and, and got picked up. Yeah, I mean, I think part of the reason you're saying you wish you'd have done more there and maybe been there a little longer. I mean, you were saying it took around seven years to, to get to that point. But I think from here on in, I, I think it's fair to say you moved through the gears really quickly. Like, uh, obviously, 2000s, you know, you start working with Andy Diggle and then... I was wondering with Andy, I mean, how, how detailed were his scripts for you to work on? You know, whether it was for Judge Dredd, Green Arrow, The Losers. Did, did he leave you plenty of room to express yourself? Uh, yeah, always. Uh, I've been very lucky with the writers that, that I've worked with. That, um, I mean, I, well, maybe it's just because they're good writers. I, I, I think it's no, no coincidence that most good writers are, are open and, and, and collaborative. You know, um, it's, it's comics and it's a collaborative medium. Um and all the writers that I've worked with, you know, are very, yeah, open to, open to ideas. But the truth is, like Andy, for example, he had, he's he's got such a brilliant grasp on the rhythm and pace of a, of a comic page. Maybe in that regard, more than any writer that, that, that I've worked with, Andy's just terrific. His scripts are, I mean, you know... I was going to say, um, when you read his script, I can just see it in my head and immediately. I, I, I don't need to change anything. Like, even if he says, you know, close up, pull out, you know, low angle, whatever, whatever, it, whatever it is, it, for me, it just I can see it immediately. So there's not really actually a lot of a lot of changing or kind of you know work that I, that I need to do. But I was, but perhaps that's just because people say me and Andy have a pretty good synergy and, and that's maybe that's why maybe other people read his scripts and, and they don't they don't see, yeah. see, they see it in that way at all I don't know but he's so good he's so so good at, 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 at the rhythm of, of a particularly action set pieces he's unbelievable like but you know if, if it's a five panel page he can he knows why it's a five panel page and that's and that's what the script is and and, and I don't need to alter it that much you know you know I might you know it might be small instances where you an extra panel here or change the angle there but 
Um, yeah, Andy just was 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 um, always open to that stuff, you know. But I, th- I think the only, you know there was one at the very end of the first arc of the losers um, when Wade, the the bad guy, the way he's killed uh, was my idea. So so there have been some things <laughs> that, that, that Andy has take, taken on board. I can't remember. I can't remember what he had written, but but I felt it was slightly underwhelming. And um, so basically, in the comic, he kind of he's hurt. This is pure diggle, but he he's hurtling down a runway towards like a cargo, an army cargo plane coming at him the other way. It sounds a bit fast and the furious, but this was like in two thousand three. Clearly ahead of your time here. Yeah, right. Uh, Andy was so um you know and I, I think I think so Wade's driving this truck, and I think he just had him kind of like go into like a, a like a bollage sort of thing. And you know, and that was it. And I, you know, and I just suggested, well, what if he hits the bollard and then catapults out of the windscreen into like the the jet turbine of the cargo plane? And in fact, it was a C one thirty, which are propeller planes, and they they don't have they don't have jet turbines. But um, you know, that that's that's the small instance where I was just like, well, could this be more? And and what about this? And he just said, that's a great idea, do it. And and it ended up in the film as well. Funny enough, so, so um, you know, but um, yeah, no, he's, the truth is though. All joking aside, he's 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 a brilliant writer and uh, you know one of my favourites. I've been very lucky, um, so there's not much I have to change really. Well, that's it. I mean, comics is full of you know great creative partnerships. You know, Neil Adams, Denny O'Neill, Scott Snyder, yeah. Greg Capullo, you know, Brew Baker Phillips. You know, and obviously mm-hmm. you you guys clearly bring out the best of each other and have that sort of repertoire between you. So. I mean, of course, this you'd, you'd mentioned the losers. I, I believe there was a little bit of a resistance at first to actually hiring you. You almost had to audition for it and do some like layouts, and oh, like there was a little bit of a resistance. But obviously, Andy was on your side and fighting your corner and so forth. Yeah, I think. Uh, well, uh, kind of. So, well, actually, I mean, the truth in some ways there was resistance from me, though I would have done anything for Virgo at the time because because mm-hmm. I, I wasn't I wasn't with them. But I must admit, when 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 I first got offered it, I kind of thought, you know, I didn't think that my first Virgo job would be like an action comic, like like you know, I just you know, Virgo is more known for, you know, maybe I've got delusions of grandeur, but you know, sort of more, you know, at the time more thought, you know, thoughtful kind of kind of stuff. And but of course, that was me being an idiot because because you do anything well and and it's and it's and it's dynamite something. It's it's. Yeah, but I can remember thinking, okay, well, if it's going to be an action comic, I'm going to make this the best action comic that I can. But no, no, I think maybe what you're referring to is um, the editor, Will Dennis. So I met Karen Berger and, um, in Bristol, and she told Will... Uh, Will had already seen Lenny Zero, which is a thing that I did that I did with, with Andy Diggle, which he liked a lot. Um, and uh, Will, Will uh, e- emailed me saying... Uh, the first email I ever got from him was saying, we'd love you to be the artist on, on, on The Losers, and, and that's great, as if I knew about it, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I had no idea at all. The, 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 the thing he had resistance to was me doing the covers, because um, at the time I had just done painted covers for 2000 AD, which he wasn't a huge fan of, but I, I just got a Mac at, at, at that time, and I was keen to, to explore more design-led covers, more kind of sharper, clearer, kind of, uh, you know, more interesting stuff, and uh, yeah, maybe the thing you're thinking of is that he was. We, we had lots of discussions as I was drawing the comic about who was going to do the covers, and no one, no one was really landing. Nothing was really kind of happening. And I said, "Will, I'd, I, I'd love to do them." And and, Ka- and he said, "Yeah, Karen said, why don't we get Jock to do them?" But he said, because Will's very, very honest in, in a really good way. He just said, "But the truth is, I, I don't really like your 2018 covers. You know, you know um, I, I, I don't think they're right for this kind of book." And I said, "Yeah, no, 
I, I hear you. Can I send you some sketches? Can I say, you know, I've got a few ideas, uh, uh, you know, and, and um, I sent him, I think, six sketch designs. And he, I'll never forget, like, I had it, it was an answer message, but he was like, you know, I, I'm not sure which one I love the most, but you, you've got the job kind of thing. And I think five of those six sketches ended up as final covers on, on, the, on the series as well. Um, so, uh, yeah, he was, he was, um, I just had to convince him, you know, <laughs> and luckily, I, luckily I, I did. I, I was really into, um, there's a film title designer called Pablo Ferro, um, who's, uh, if you don't know him, look him up. He's amazing. And, uh, he was a huge influence. He did like, you know, the bullets uh, title sequence and Thomas Crown affair and you know, very graphic and tasteful but also quite kind of kind of um striking and rich and interesting as well and and that's i thought that was it that was a really good kind of kind of take for the losers you know to give it a, to give it um you know not just a wham bam kind of action you know big explosion kind of behind the lead character just to make it a bit more hopefully a bit more intriguing a bit more interesting and you know it all worked out yeah that style sounds very similar to someone like Saul Bass who obviously yeah, yeah, did a lot of stuff yeah. with Scorsese and, and Hitchcock and so forth so similar yeah, sort yeah. of idea but uh yeah I mean with the losers I mean I I personally have all the issues of the losers all first prints of course all my bagged and boarded of course but it does, <laughs> doesn't stop me pulling them out and reading them once a year but I mean how I was working for Vertigo around that time is as you said before so much creativity so many risks being taken on titles I mean Preacher, Why the Last Man, Sandman, The Invisibles, Hellblazer, the list goes on and on. I mean, it must have been a, a time of creative nirvana and very British influenced as well. To be honest, Alan, um, we didn't think about it too much because like on on, on reflection, if, if, you know, if the losers hadn't gone well, you know, again, I'd, I'd probably not be sat here speaking to you kind of thing. It, um, it was quite a big risk for DC to give two total unknowns their own series and i think maybe that was will's um resistance to me doing covers as well is like you know not only was i an unknown and on the in the excuse me in the interiors you know the shop front the cover is would, would, would you know was you know he was thinking we could get maybe a net someone with a name that just gives a little bit more kind of mm-hmm. you know but, but also you know i'd argue that again the strength of comics is in that collaboration between a writer and an artist. And I'm so pleased that I'm on the cover and the interior. And that hopefully it gives the comic a cohesive whole, you know, you know, somehow, you know, again, I, I, I wish I could have done all, all the interior issues, but just the, the schedule was, 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 was too tough. And as a newbie doing to American monthly comics, I just couldn't, I couldn't keep up. You know, I, I did, I did pretty well, but like, I remember it was, um, Will's, Will's told me at the time it, it was so fast, like, from from the losers getting approved to getting us on board to it coming on out on the stands getting printed was was like insanely quick for Virgo. Normally titles kind of gestate for you know a couple of years maybe, and the losers were kind of like months. And I remember issue one came out, and I think I was only drawing issue three at the time, something like that. And and if you've ever drawn monthly comics, anyone that's listening, you know, it's it's brutal. And so I was from the from the get go. I was I was new, you know. I was fresh and and therefore very green and not really knowing what I was doing in lots of ways, or you know, or at least learn, learning that kind of rhythm and pace of American monthly comics, kind of on the job and constantly on catch up. Like from the word go, it, like from the word go, we were behind. So so it was uh, so that maybe I just we didn't have a chance to to, to think about you know that what, what you're talking about um, so much because. 
uh, we were just doing this different thing. It was an action book, and we were, you know, we were both kind of, without realizing it, sort of really keen to sort of, you know, make an impression. And sort of, we, we just had a lot, a lot of, a lot of, like I use that word, hungry again. It's like we we're just really hungry to sort of do it well, and 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 there was a kind of like a blind naivety, and we just did it as, as well as we could. And you know, again, if it all went really badly, then you know that could have all gone, <laughs> gone, gone, gone south. But um, yeah, as it turned out, you know, people seem to really like the book. You know, it ended up as a movie, which which I know for for, for DC and everything, that's that's a really good thing. And um, you know, and yeah, and here we are chatting now. I mean, you know, it's it's you know, when you have that kind of when you're young and a bit naive. I, th- I, th- I think, you know, really, I, you know, I don't know. I was maybe a little bit kind of single-minded about it and I was just trying to do it as, as well as I could, to be honest. Yeah, well, I mean, both as a fan and now obviously as a, as a retailer, I'm personally, I much preferred if a cover is drawn by the interior artist because yeah. I feel sometimes like you're maybe mis-selling a product. You have this beautiful yeah. cover, but maybe art that doesn't match the tone of the cover. And, and yeah. it, it can go both ways. I mean, Sandman obviously had great Dave McKing covers and so forth. So it can go both ways, but I'm I'm more of the opinion similar to yourself. Much prefer interior and cover artists to be the same. Yeah, because I can remember. You know, I, I I loved Virgo books, but I can remember sometimes being slightly annoyed. You know, I I I'd, I'd pick up a book for its great cover, and I'd look inside and be like, Neh. you know, it's kind of <laughs> you're not really kind of on on the same level. And um, uh, you know, like you say, there's some books that it kind of works. I think Fabry and and. And Garth and, and Steve Dillon, Dillon yeah, you know, are, 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 are a great trio, and you just kind of take all the elements from each from each creator, and, and they just work together somehow, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm I'm so glad that we avoided that with the losers, because because who knows? You know, maybe it wouldn't have. I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm not saying my covers were 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 anything, but 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 maybe it wouldn't have had the same cohesive feel, you know, if if there was just, you know a, a random artist doing the covers, you know. Yeah, well, they're representative of the art in the book, which is exactly yeah. what you want. You know, it's, it's yeah. the old adage of never judge a book by its cover. But in comic books, it's the complete opposite to that. <laughs> I mean, with The Losers, was it always scheduled for 32 issues? Was it originally a shorter series that got to run longer because it was successful? Or did you guys have any further ideas for continuing on? Uh, it was originally a miniseries and Vertigo were asked Andy to make it an ongoing, basically. Um I think probably at the time um, the, the trade market was was really starting to to take hold, and you know they had books like Hundred Bullets and things like Sandman, obviously that um, that, that really held themselves together by being on book, on on bookshelf bookstore mm-hmm. shelves, you know, and and, and uh, you know for years and years. Um, so uh, they asked Andy if he could make it an ongoing, and he was happy to. Um, I think at one point he was trying to end it around issue 25, but um, it went to 32, which seems so many issues now. But, <laughs> um, but um, yeah, uh, so yeah, to begin with, it, it was it was going to be a sort of one and done little mini series. Yeah, I mean, as you say, it's it's more and more uncommon, even in you know, I think we're in another golden age of independent comics at the moment with Image and Boom and Dark Horse and so forth. But so few titles get past maybe even twelve issues, so to get the thirty-two yeah. is is certainly not to be sniffed at. Yeah, I mean, you'd mentioned uh, what you you struggled maybe sometimes with the deadlines, you know, just because of the pace of them and the relentlessness of them. I mean, in general, how long would you tend to spend on a page of art? I'm guessing it varies whether it's splash page or panels or so forth. But do you, do you set yeah. yourself targets of a page every couple of days or or that kind of thing? 
No, no, I don't. I, I just try to do as much as I can at all times. <laughs> there's, there's no, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Um, it's like jazz. And, well, it it really varies. Um, to be honest, like Snow Angels, which I've just just drawn for for Comicsology, um, that's two characters in the snow, you know. And and to be honest, I managed to do the last few issues very quickly. Um, uh, not through any compromises i was just just absolutely piling through it and and uh you know but then this the thing i'm doing at the moment um the pages are taking me much longer and and um and you know i'm uh it just it, it depends you know you know like right now i'm drawing a cityscapes with lots of people in them you know that like literally that that's the difference that's going to take you a lot longer than than, than two girls running in the snow you know so, so but you know my sort of rule of thumb i feel is like a page a day is okay you know but the truth is actually if i'm up against deadline um it's often been two or three pages a day um and if i don't if i don't have a deadline i i stretch i i take too long and i stretch it out and, and um it really varies it really varies i sort of find for myself that I'm best when I'm pressured, really. That that's I think there's a sort of a rhythm and a kind of energy to my pages that that, that comes from just doing a lot a lot of them, and then you find things about the the way you draw um, that you might not find if you had more time to be slower about it. You know, but if you're constantly kind of having to do it, um, you sort of surprise yourself with with a layout or an image or an, it just you know that that seems the, the, to to bring the best out of my pages. I would say. Yeah, I mean, just to bring it back just really quickly, you were talking about the covers and so forth for the losers. I mean, I see that one of your editors at the time was Pornsack Pichichu, who's doing yeah. fantastic work at the moment. I don't know if you're reading it, The Good Asian, fantastic sure, yeah, yeah. book so far. But how much freedom did your editors give you? I, I like looking at some of those covers. They're a little close to the bone, the likes of the, the large injection of America into Iraq and yeah. stuff like that. I mean, you, you yeah. seem to be given a lot of freedom there. Yeah, I didn't think they'd let me print that. Yeah, you, you, you're you're absolutely right. If, if anyone listeners, I think it was like issue twenty six, something like that. Mm -hmm. And um, that so actually, and that image was the very first sketch I ever did for the losers, like yeah. as an idea for a cover. It had a pure. I think the final had a blue background. But the original was just like a pure red cover with just this, uh, you know needle heroin needle of with the american flag inside and that that was that was the very first kind of kind of image that i had for the losers um yeah and, and, and yeah the final's got like um a globe on it and it's and the needles going to iraq and iraq isn't even in the story it it it, it, it was afghanistan and story but but it was so timely and will and pornsat was, was just like you know this is fucking great. Like we've got to try and put this through, mm -hmm. you know, and just, and, and they let us do it. I mean, DC, you know, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't, you know, they didn't, they didn't tell us not to. <laughs> I'm not sure whether someone, whether someone missed something there because when I, when I, when I held the printed comic, I was like, I must admit, I was like, holy shit. I'm really surprised <laughs> that, that they let us do that, but they did. So yeah, you know, um, I guess I'd sort of, Again, looking back, you know, I find it hard to sort of talk about my own work in sort of good terms, to be to be honest. But but I guess looking back, you know, I, I was they let me move the logo around. I was trying to do something different with with, with comic covers, you know, trying to be more design led, and and um, I, th I think I was I got sort of eyes and nominated in in the first year or two. So I think that issue was kind of like maybe the third year, 
and 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 you know when something's up and running and doing okay they're they're not going to mess with you you know so so i was given a lot of freedom to be honest but but that's just something i've tried to carry on ever since really you know it's kind of that's i believe that's what gets your best work that's that's what you know an editor wants you to do good good work and i and i feel like you know, I, I still didn't quite realise, you know, particularly Will, Den, no offence to Pornsack at all, but Will Dennis, Pornsack came on later on as an assistant, Will was the editor all, all the way through. And and I, and I just didn't realise how lucky I was to have such a good editor. I sort of thought all, all comic editors were like Will. And, um, and uh, yeah, very lucky to have that kind of, you know, not just support, but the, the smarts, like he, he'd know when to when to inject you know an idea or get me to change something or have a little house sheet you know what could this be stronger you know here's my editor on the scalp covers as well and um yeah he was terrific and and you know i, I owe an awful lot to him and 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 so does the losers you know that it was it was kind of it, you know we talk about creative collaborations the editor is absolutely a part of that collaboration for sure did you ever turn in a cover for any comic you've ever worked on where they did maybe ask you to change something or maybe that is, we won't get that through or is that a common occurrence uh, or uncommon? Yeah, uh, yeah. well, certainly, certainly because of quality, I'm sure I've got asked to sort of like change things. <laughs> um, because of content, I, uh, I don't know, actually. I've had, in, in the Black Mirror, we did some pages that were a little bit too gory and bloody and they sort of toned it down in, in the colouring. They kind of hid some of my drawing with really dark colouring. You know, mm -hmm. that, that was, you know, David Barron, the colourist, coloured it as blood and that, that was censored, essentially, you know, things like that. Um, um, I'm trying to think. I don't, I can't really, I can't recall any, any, any particular... Uh, instance, but I'm sure it must it must have happened a few times. Well, do you know what? Actually, the truth is actually you know that that gets weeded out in in the sketch stage, you know. But I'm sure I've turned in art, and, and Will has said, you know, yeah. Actually, <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm rambling a bit, but no. Now you mention it, there was a losers cover issue eleven that was completely different to the one that that went that went out in previews. You know, with previews, you have to get a cover yeah. in before the issue is even drawn, before it's even written. Sometimes with a vague idea of, of, of what's on the inside. And um, I think it was a parachuting cover and the finished cover is very different to the one that you saw in previews. So uh, um, yeah, it has happened for sure. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's a new market to explore in the comic industry. You mentioned the slightly darker, edgier, gorier version of the black mirror. Maybe we, we need the, the jock and Snyder cut, if you will, of uh, the black mirror. <laughs> oh <my God>. Hashtag. <laughs> can <you> imagine. <laughs> oh there's there's bound to be people who would jump behind that i mean how was the experience in being involved with the movie adaptation of the losers did you guys have a lot of input at all i mean i've i've watched the behind the scenes documentaries and there's there's certainly interviews with yourself and with andy and did you guys have a lot of input in it um uh yes and no you know um so we first met peter berg who's a director that i worked with a few times more when he was going to he was the first writer and he was going to be directing it at the time and I kept a good relationship with him. Um, and then the writer, Jamie Vanderbilt, we'd get sent, um, we'd get sent drafts of the script and, and, and Andy would give them feedback. Um, but in the actual production beyond, beyond, um, you know, with, with when, when, uh, beyond sort of, uh, our influence from the comic, no, we weren't really called on until quite late in production when, um, when uh, Sylvain, the director, asked me to do some pieces that are featured in the film, you know, some character shots, a couple of 
bits that added to the to the to the outro sequence, to the credit sequence. And we were invited to the set, but we didn't go till like the last week of. Like, we were actually there for the wrap, so we were there right at the very end. So, yeah, films are, films are strange. You sort of, I mean, I suppose our influence is all over it because it's the comic, and we were talked to during pre-production, but then it just kind of takes on a life of its own, becomes its own thing, and uh, and we've just visited it at the end, you know. And then, and then the work I did was actually after that, you know, you know, when, once I got home. So, yes and no, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel the movie was maybe a slight victim of coming out around the same time as the A-Team remake, you know, similar sort of, you know, Hollywood always does this, Armageddon, Deep Impact, Dante's sure. Big Volcano, etc. I mean, I thought the movie was great and definite scope there for a sequel. Were there ever any plans that you know of or was it just a, a one and done? No, it was, they, were, they were planning a trilogy for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the end of the movie is very open. They, they even maybe say like, you know, I think Clay says to Max on the phone, I'll be seeing you. You know, even mm-hmm. it's like it's, it's, it's very deliberately meant to be a trilogy. Um, and I spoke to a Warner Brothers um, exec, and they were so excited about the footage coming in when they, during filming. But um, yeah, it just didn't it didn't sort of take. I guess. I mean, the cast like now. I mean, the, ten years later, the cast is unbelievable. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, you've the, you've the comedian in there. You've Captain America <laughs> in there. You've Gamora in there. Yeah, I mean, the yeah. movie was was brilliantly cast in general. And Jason Patrick's actually a lot of fun in it as yeah. well. Um, but but uh, it just um, you know, for me, the cast was the best thing. It, it was funnier than the comic, you know, and and, and and that was because of the chemistry that they had on and off set. That you know, what you see. In the movie, that's what they were like offset. They, they they all got on really really well, had a really good time, um, but but it felt sort of uh, lighter, I think, than the comic. And, 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 I, and I think one thing that Andy does very very well is uh, jeopardy and what's at stake. Like when 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 there's an action sequence, stuff isn't just blowing up for the sake of blowing up. You know, it's kind of what's at stake here. What happens if this doesn't go right? And if it goes wrong, what happens? And, and he's very good at, at, at creating those moments that make you care about kind of kind of the the action set pieces and um you know i don't know you know maybe the movie was uh, the the lightness meant that some of that was lost or you know it's i, I don't know you know it, for whatever reason um it, it didn't quite take for a lot of people you know and, and didn't do particularly well financially so so we never got a sequel but i mean you know Funnily enough, I still talk to Jeffrey D. Morgan on and off, and and he's he says he gets asked about it all the time, and that he'd love to do a sequel. Um, so you know, it's, it seems seems a bit late now, but I mean, who knows? The cast is so good. I'm pretty sure if someone if they decided they wanted to make a Losers Two with the same cast, I'm pretty sure the studio would go, yeah, you you guys can be in another film together. Of course you can. <laughs> so who knows? Might be a bit more expensive getting them this time, given yeah. what they went on to do. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, you you guys then moved on from the losers to Green Arrow year one. How did how did that come about? Yeah, that was that was that's another uh, that, uh, that's a really nice nice um, little story. I think kind of um, Andy Andy was starting to make inroads into the DCU, and he was writing a few things that a bit Batman, a bit Superman. I think, um, and we're at New York together, and. Um, he mentioned he had a meeting with with um, Dan DiDio uh, about doing Green Arrow Year One, and he just said you should just come along. So so I literally just turned turned up with Andy and <laughs> said hello to Dan, and, and and Dan started talking to Andy about it, and he and Dan just said, "Sam, what 
do you want Jock to draw it then? And Andy George was like, yeah. And I went, <laughs> you know, and that was it. That Just was that it. easy. Just that easy. <laughs> you know, it, uh, uh, you know, I'm sure I'm, probably Dan would have chosen someone else, to be honest, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, just one of those times where, where we thought, well, we're, we're going to try and do this. And, and, it, and again, yeah, I think it's one of Andy's tightest scripts, actually. Those six issues are, are fantastic. And, um, you know, talking about adaptations, the Arrow TV show, they didn't tell us this and we didn't know until it was out. But it turns out that... Um, they only did the Arrow TV show once they'd seen Green Arrow year one and they were like, this is how we do it. Kind of mm-hmm. And we had no idea, you know, absolutely no idea until I think it was Mark Guggenheim, the exec producer, said that on a panel at San Diego. And someone said to us at the show, they're like, do you know that the Arrow TV show, you know, it's based on your, and it's not based on our comic, but, but, um, but it was a pretty big influence on, on the, on the tone of the thing. So, um, yeah, it was it was another sort of you know, and, and the book's still on the stands. There was a new edition of it kind of last year. So um, I, I love. I've been very lucky that I've been involved with some of these evergreen books. You know that that, that just sit on the stands. You know, and, and I think that's um, yeah, that's testament to Andy's you know great storytelling that it's that, that they're they're kind of cohesive. You know, they're, they're not lost in continuity. We're we're always far more interested in just telling a, a story. You know, one and done sort of thing. There it is. That book. Anyone can pick it up. Enjoy it. They don't have to know about Green Arrow. They don't have to know about, you know, who did what in three issues before, you know, and, and that's always been the type of comics that I love trying to make. Was the name, the character named Diggle, was that lifted from Andy at all for, for yeah, Arrow? Yeah, 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 that, that was a, that was a, that was a, um, uh, they named a character Diggle because of Andy. Turns out that Andy's brother is called John Diggle, which is what, <laughs> what the character is in, in the show. Um, there isn't a jock though. Yeah, that's well, interesting. I don't know what's going on there? Someone's missing a the trick there. Yeah, Andy left you out of those negotiations. It would appear. <laughs> I mean, I take it the the year one subtitle was not an accident. You know, you know, given what that the, the connotations of the the subtitle year one. I mean, was that an editorial decision or did that come from you or Andy? No, it was editorial. They they literally said, um, "Would you like to Andy?" They said, "Would you like to write Green Arrow origin story, Green Arrow year one?" That was it simple as that i mean it, it's it's what we like to call in our store a stalwart book which means as much as possible it's always on the shelf if it sells it's replaced straight away i mean and i think Thank it you. definitely deserves to be mentioned the same breath as as a certain gotham crusaders year one it's it's a very very tight piece of work I mean, I'm not sure about that, but thank you. <laughs> it's very hard for me to be objective because you know, Batman Year One is 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 seminal. Um, but thank you, thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's breaking my heart that I can just see over your shoulder there what I think is the original page from The Dark Knight Returns. I no, it's not the original. You should have just told um, me it was. <laughs> but it, it, it's a print signed from Frank to me, which is lovely. But no, they they had, but I did hold the original at New York a couple of years ago. That that's what that print is from. Yeah, they did. They did. Um, they did some uh, limited prints from from shop from the original artwork, and that that's an artist proof that Frank signed to me, which is you know, it's it's not the original, but it's it's lovely. <laughs> it's not it's not quite in the same level as your one, but we do have a foil print of it signed by Frank. We met him at London nice. Comic Con a couple of years ago, so yeah. Um, how was the change in pace for you from putting out sequential interior art for so long to doing sixty covers for Jason Aaron and R.M. Guerra's sculpt series? How was that change? Uh, I just did those alongside everything else, actually. You know, I was still drawing comics. All I mean, yeah, that was 60 covers. I think I only missed four of them. Um, uh, so, yeah, that's 60 covers. That's nearly, that's five and a half, five years, I guess. Um, 
Yeah. So, um, so, so that that was done during all the, all all the other stuff, you know. So, um, I think I was still doing those when I was drawing started drawing Black Mirror, for example. Um, I might be wrong, but I can remember being in the same studio. So yeah, you know, it was just a project that I had running alongside everything else. Would you have been given scripts to it to give you an idea of a cover sketch, or was it a collaboration, or was it just very much, you know, Indian reservation casinos, do whatever you want? Yeah, no, there were. The, I never saw a script. Uh, maybe I saw a script for like the first issue, but um, as we talked about, it was for you know the previews catalogue need, needed a cover, and it was often before Jason had even written the script, so he'd he'd feed me a paragraph of maybe what, what the issue was about mm-hmm. and um which is one of the reasons why a lot of the covers are so um they're slightly abstract is because i just tried to kind of um uh get hold of a sort of a rough concept or a rough kind of idea or feel of kind of what the issue was doing and extrapolate from that I mean, I'd read somewhere that uh, the fact that you were doing the covers for it, that actually gave the, the project maybe a little bit more weight. I mean, Jason was a little bit lesser known at this time and so forth. I mean, as I say, your your reputation sort of developed very, very quickly. Only four years had passed between starting The Losers and doing those scalp covers. Yet you, you were enough of a, a well-known name to actually lend that project weight. That must have been quite rewarding. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I just try not to think about that stuff, to be honest. And and I didn't think about that. As you know, it was it was Will, my editor, and he said, "I've got this new new series. Do you want to do the covers?" And I just said, "Yeah, that'd, that'd be fantastic." Well, my yeah. per- my personal favorite cover from that series is number fifty three. It's uh, it's a very straightforward, simple concept. It's the Indian reservation on top of the poker chips. Oh yeah, oh, which uh, yeah, thanks. Just really brilliantly realized and delivered, but quite a simple simple image almost. That takes you along then. So how did you and how did you and Scott come together for uh, Detective Comics? Scott Snyder, of course, being the Scott. It's a well-worn story, but uh, yeah, he phoned me out of the blue uh, just before San Diego Comic-Con, um, uh, 2009, maybe, 2010, 2009, um, uh, and I'd never heard, never spoken to him, you know, I, I was aware of him because I think American Vampire had started up, um, and uh, again, not to be too sort of blasé about it, but the Losers movie—it must be in 2010 because, the, or maybe it was nine—but the movie, the Losers movie was in was in production. So I was keen to get to snapshot with, with Andy, you know, because because the movie um, was 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 happening, and I wanted to do more creator own stuff. And I wasn't necessarily—it you know, sounds blasé, but 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 I, I, I didn't really want to do a Batman story at that point. I, I wanted to do. Uh, create you know my own thing uh, with, with with Andy, uh, but Scott phoned me out of the blue, and the truth is, like I'm quite I, I try and be quite instinctive about who I work with and the projects that I take on, and and the, the truth is that Scott phoned me literally out of the blue and never spoken to him before, and I just had a really good feeling about him. You know, I, I really liked talking to him. He told me a little bit about the story, but then we met up in San Diego a couple of weeks later or ten days later, whatever it was. Um, and we went for some drinks in the afternoon and and we talked about kind of, you know, the actual story of Black Mirror. And that was it. I was just like, yeah, it sounds fantastic. In fact, it was when it was when in the phone call is when he mentioned that it was uh, Jim Gordon's son, you know, the baby that we mm-hmm. see at the Batman year one that really you know piqued my interest. I was like, yeah, hang on. Have they not done anything with like with, with, with that baby? <laughs> Such <laughs> a simple thing, isn't character. it? Yeah. Yeah, you know, so, so that, that 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 hooked me a little bit, and then when, then when I met him and we talked more in depth about it, and I remember as well, he was sort of 
he was saying, uh, you know, you'll get to draw like Arkham Asylum, and you'll get to draw, all, you know, the Joker, and you'll get to, and, and I remember being like really nonplussed about it. And I just said to him, "What's but what's it about? Like, what's the story about? Like, what's you know? I guess I was sort of saying, what's the theme? What's the theme? You know, what's it kind of saying?" And he's mentioned since that that took him aback a, a, a little bit. Um, but that, but that, he was really pleased that I asked that because then when he told me what it was about, you know, the fears that we all have, which is really you know a real strong theme in a lot of Scott's work. He's very very good at good at the more sort of uh, horror elements i guess but but to me it's not necessarily horror it's just more kind of a, a kind of darker reality that he's very very good at um you know then i really got interested and in, when he was telling me about about what he felt about what he was doing with the black mirror and 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 i said yes and and and, and that was it here we are he texted just before speaking to you to talk about more witches actually um he had a question about more witches and i've got to give him a call after this podcast so we're still going strong today <laughs> You're uh, running into my parade of my witches too question for later, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I suppose in a weird way you've maybe answered this question because I was going to ask, did you feel any pressure drawing Batman? But you've obviously said you you, you approached the project maybe quite blasé. But I suppose he's just been drawn so many times. You know, did did you try to take any inspiration from Neil Adams or Jim Aparo or Norm Brayfogle, or were you just determined just to design your own version from scratch? I'd done a few Batman covers by this point. When I was working on The Losers, uh, Mark Chiarello, who was the art director at DC at the time, emailed saying, do you want to do a couple of Batman covers for me? And I can remember I phoned Will and I was like, you know, is this okay? I didn't, I didn't know whether it was okay to sort of, you know, cross the streams, like, to, you know, to do something else while I was working on... Never on, cross the streams. Yeah, you know. But Will was just like, yeah, Mark's the kind of guy that will give you work, you know, you know forever. It's like, of course you can do that. So, um... I did a couple for Mark, and then I did a run of maybe seven or eight for the main Batman title with uh, Bob Shrek and, and Matt Idelson, the, the Batman uh, editors at the time. So, so I'd had a bit of a stab at him already. You yeah. Know? You know, similarly, similarly to, to to Dread, I just I just uh, I got an affinity with the character. I really enjoy drawing him. You know, I'm definitely influenced by all those names that you've mentioned. You know, but but that's the kind of melting pot, and then you just bring your own your own sort of you know thing to it on top of that and hopefully it all comes out okay you know well i mean one of the reasons black mirror is one of my favorite batman stories is because it's dick grayson as batman rather than yeah. bruce wayne did you have to approach drawing batman differently because it was dick grayson you know maybe slightly yeah. more athletic that kind of thing yeah 100 percent. and in fact i remember one of the reasons that i wasn't so keen is i thought well if i'm going to do a 10 part batman story i kind of want it to be bruce wayne <laughs> you know in my sort of in my in my, in my arrogance you know but of course one of the best things about Black Mirror, like you say, is that it's Dick Grayson, and and it meant that I that I did I, I yeah I drew him differently, um, uh, much more live, you know, much more athletic. I tried to make the fighting sequences and the action sequences much more kind of um, you know, uh, well yeah, athletic for one of a, for one of a better word. You know, I think Bruce Wayne is more of a monolith, you know, more of a kind of you know like a like a concrete block stood there, whereas Dick Grayson was much more um, fluid. Um, and that became a strength, you know, I think, you know, the, 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 in the story and the way Scott wrote it was so clever. Um, and uh, yeah, and it, I just was, what was I thinking? Of course, of, yeah, that, that proved to be a, a plus point, not a negative. It's so interesting that that story is obviously so well renowned for your Detective 880 cover. But 
you, you didn't really even really draw the Joker much through it. You know, there was a, there's a great scene where he's hidden. You know, you know, he's talking about how when people touch him, he gets poisoned. That kind of thing. You sort of hit him behind a mask almost. So it's uh, it's kind of interesting. But your Joker is always a particularly pleasingly nasty design. Have you ever taken Thanks. any inspiration for for Joker? And uh, no, only only to make him the. Yeah, just just as sort of extreme as I can, you know, just as 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 you know, in madness, in extremity, and nastiness, and you know, I just try and make him. You know, he's he's a character that can kind of support whatever you throw at him, sort of thing. So I feel like it's my job to throw as much as I've got at him, and he can still he can still carry it. He's fine. It's just like he's just this really kind of incredibly kind of malleable character you know some characters you can't do that with you can't sort of throw everything you've got at them but with um with joker you can i think and then of course you'd mentioned it before you and scott went on to work together again on witches you know very highly acclaimed successful image series you know how is the collaborative process different there for you obviously you're working on creator-owned content as opposed to as opposed to pre-established characters yeah no, not not that different really um not you know, I get great scripts from Scott, and I draw them, and <laughs> you know that 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 would be it. Um, you know, later on, uh, we've got more. We did a little follow-up called Bad Egg, which mm-hmm. was um, that was almost Marvel style because for a couple of reasons that I won't get into, not negative reasons, but but just just it suited that that he would he would send me just like a little breakdown of, of what, what we were doing them in four page chunks, which is a big difference. Actually, they were being published in image uh, plus, wasn't it? Image plus. Yeah. The monthly magazine from image comics. And, um, so he sent me a little breakdown of these four, four page little episodes. And, and then I, like I said, Marvel style, just break them down into the four pages. So, so that, that was much looser. And then, and then he, like, there wasn't much dialogue. He dialogue it once the art was in and, and do it that way. But um, in general, I mean, I think the only difference really is probably with Black Mirror, uh, we didn't speak as much on the phone, so I'd get much fuller scripts. But but as as I you know as, as we became friends and talked much more, um, the stuff we do now is much more. It's just looser, you know, because you know, because we don't need to explain so much to each other, I guess, you know, mm. um, and and his scripts re- reflect that, I would say. And then, obviously, I know the two of you are extremely busy and in demand. You mentioned you just got a text. You know, any further plans for Witches too? I know there's there's a big demand for it. Certainly in our store. I know. Yeah, <laughs> I, it's, we we I get asked about Witches more than anything else uh, when I go to conventions. Remember those, whatever they were. <laughs> um, they will happen yeah, again. Well, Keep believing. I know. I know. And, and um, uh, yeah, we've we've promised it many times, and it's been scheduled a few times, but. Like right now, um, so I'm doing an- another project m- myself. But right now, we're actually we are working on witches, but it's for the adaptation, which we're heavily heavily involved with. Oh, nice. um, um, so hopefully there'll be news of, of that soon. Um, but but um, again, I spoke to him a couple of weeks ago, and when I finish what I'm drawing now, um, we're concreting it into the schedule. So it'll hopefully be out next summer. Um, I, I, I say that with trepidation because I've said this before in interviews, <laughs> and, and we don't have it yet. But 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 trust me, like you know, when people say you work on more witches, like well, yeah, we are. We're, we're working on the adaptation, like like heavily. So 
um, you know, and so 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 bandwidth wise, uh, the, the we're both involved in witches in a big way right now. But um, but uh, he's made me promise that I can draw uh, another season, another six issues um, when I finish this this uh, this story that I'm currently doing. So that's the plan. Yeah, but because you're on the other side of the Atlantic from him, you can hide from him a little bit more if you need to. No, I'd never hide from Scott. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the thing about something like Witches, I suppose, if you're going to do a sequel, it's a bit like, you know, the new Halloween movie coming out. It can only come out at Halloween or around that time. So you, if, yeah. if, if you don't hit that point, you got to wait to the next year and the next year. <laughs> but uh, yeah, your your most recent comic work has been with, with Jeff Lemire on the Comixology original series Snow Angel. How's, how's working with Jeff been? I mean, he is one of the truly original storytellers in comics. Yeah, he's great. Um, yeah, we became friendly a decade ago. Always said we wanted to do something together. We started talking about Snow Angels before I started on Witches. I think it was like 2013, 2014. And Jeff wasn't sure whether he wanted to draw it himself. You know, as I'm sure you're aware, he's he's brilliant when he's when he's both a writer and artist. He has a really unique vision for stuff, which I adore. You know, and I was just like, listen, Jeff, if you if you have any trepidation about me drawing this and you want to draw it, like draw it like you know it's yours obviously just do what you want with it and in fact there was um i think it was in 2014 he he emailed saying you know what i actually do want to draw this and then it was that afternoon i'm sure they've been talking to each other and it was that afternoon scott emailed saying do you want to do this thing called witches so, <laughs> um, so, so uh, i understand yeah, you've got then, some clearance in the schedule now yeah yeah um but then i met jeff in i think 2017 in london um was it, was it that late? Was it? Yeah, it's so hard to make dates. I mean, I don't know how it is for you, but lockdown is completely. The last year and a half has certainly changed oh, a lot it's of things. Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. But um, yeah, so we met in London, maybe 2016, um, and I was busy with other stuff at the time. But then he got home and he sent me the first four scripts, like four days later. And he was like, "Listen, no pressure. I know you're busy, but I was inspired by by." We sort of walked, I took him around like you know the mall and Buckingham Palace and Leicester Square and just that little kind of route where you can Trafalgar Square around London where you can see quite a few of, of, of the of the of the your landmarks and he'd never seen any of that stuff, but we we're actually just talking talking about Snow Angels the, the whole way, and he said uh, he got home and said listen I was just inspired by seeing you and thinking about it all and I've just banged out these first four scripts like no pressure to draw it because I know you're busy but here they are, and then. I think it was, I guess it was like 2019 and I realized it'd been, you know, three or four years <laughs> that I'd had these scripts. And I was like, Oh my God, I've, I've got to get to, this is crazy. It's been, it's been so long. So, um, and I'd, I'd been friendly with Chip Mosher from Comixology and, and, and they were, you know, getting their Comixology originals, um, packages together. And Chip was like, you know, do you want to do anything? And I was like, well, actually me and Jeff have got this thing. And yeah, it's cut a long story short, that all worked out really well. And then suddenly we were going. Um, and uh, yeah, I, as it turns out, I drew that entire series in, in, in lockdown. You know, it started kind of like March last year and I finished it February. And I know we're still a little bit locked down, but, you know, it was essentially like a kind of lockdown project. Um, yeah, and it's been great. Jeff's terrific. Again, you know, maybe I've just been lucky, but uh, he's very open, very collaborative. But he's a great fucking writer, so I don't need to. I don't need to do. You know, I don't need to to, to suggest that much. Really, he's uh, the scripts come in. They're they're they're, they're terrific, and it's, it's been a joy to work with. It's been great. 
I mean, do you alter your art style or process at all? You know, thinking about how this would first be presented in digital form as opposed to, you know, traditional paper? Sure. Yeah, no, is the short answer. <laughs> I was, me and Jeff were quite adamant about that. You know, um, I, 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 I think there's a danger, and, and I've, I've done it myself many times, um, not just with the idea of format being digital versus print, but just, just a new project. I've done this, I used to do it much more in my earlier days. I'd finish a project and then start a new one and think, right, how, how am I, I going to draw this? Like, what's the best way to approach this? Maybe I can you know, pull it this way and make the style a bit more like that. And, uh, you know, and it's always led to just a few months of uh, problems. You know, the truth is, you know, we, I, I think we all have our own natural pace and when we're at that pace and that, and that, and the style, whatever, whatever you want, whatever it is, that's when you do your best work. And even there's been projects, you know, even though I've sort of thought my approach is a little bit different, you just end up back where you were, you know, before thinking you should change it. And that's actually their better pages than, than the ones, you know, that, that you try and sort of alter. And, you know, this was, this was, you know, this was very early on, but I, I was doing that and I spotted it and I was like, I've just got to, get over myself and just just start start drawing stuff and not worry not worry as much you know because it's very easy to be very critical you know of yourself and what you're doing but with snow angels the only thing i was aware of was just that okay there's no backgrounds so i better make sure that every element i show counts you know you know that there's no, there's nowhere to hide this is just a few characters in the snow um so I, I i was looking forward to that i thought okay i can be really textural use lots of brush strokes and you know the snowstorms need to be really sort of uh, hopefully feel very heavy and kind of you know engrossing and 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 so I just went to town on texture and 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 lack of detail in the hope that it brought an atmosphere and and hopefully some emotion to the to the pages and that that was that was my goal really. Well, obviously, we're very much traditionalists, so we're very happy to see collected trade paperbacks are on the way for that series. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We wouldn't have done it if there wasn't there wasn't going to be a book. Yeah, that that was all that was all part of the part of the thing. But because um, it's mostly Dark Horse that do through the Comicsology originals, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's the plan. Yeah, there was one recently came out. Actually, was very good. It was uh, Chip Zdarsky's Afterlift. Was was really yes. really good. So uh, yeah, we were big fans of that. So. I mean, you've you've been extremely generous with your time, so I'll I'll start to wrap up. Uh, I did just want to ask finally just about your movie posters that you do for you know Mondo, San Diego Comic Con, Alamo Drafthouse, etc. Are they fun to do for you, or do they come with a different form of pressure to to comics? They're different, certainly to comics. Um, yeah, I feel like sort of you know comics are one thing, movie work is another thing, posters are another thing, and and they all have diff- they all have. Uh, they pull you in, in different ways and, uh, you know, and they all have kind of different things about them. But I, I actually, I, I, I love doing posters. I, I've just been doing comics for the last couple of years. So I've not, I've not made any posters for a couple of years and I'm sort of missing it a little bit because you can just, you can just, uh, you can settle into an image a little, a little bit more, you know, with comics, it's about constantly keeping it churning out, you know, mm-hmm. the next image, the next page, the next cover, which is what's great about them. There's a kind of there's a sort of lively kind of rhythm to them, which is ace. But um, with posters, um, you can sort of sit back a little bit more. And you know, Mondo posters, I often work on them for like months. You know, literally for months, just have them ticking away, and I can tweak things. You know, there'll be a little concentrated time where I'm drawing the main image or painting it, whatever. But but 
you can just sit on them and tweak them and, 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 until they're right. And that's, that's a really lovely thing. And, and also, you know, the finished product is like an artifact. It's such a lovely, the screen print is such a lovely item. It deserves the kind of, uh, you sort of need to give it the time and, and, the, and, the, and the, you know, the energy and the commitment to, to the thing, you know, that, that will hopefully make the poster a really nice item for someone to hang in their home, you know, because I feel like posters are sort of, there's a longevity to them, you know, not that the comics don't have that, but you know what I mean? It's just slight, slightly different. Um, so yeah, I, I adore doing posters and, um, you know, I still chat to Mondo. I spoke to them last night about a possible project, but time's a little bit tight at the moment, but I'm really hoping to, um, to do more as soon as I can. Yeah, I mean, I especially adore uh, the thing poster that that you did. I was, oh, thank you. I was lucky enough to get a a print with I have the Mondo Art of Jock book. You know, I was hoping to get an original Daredevil sketch, but uh, didn't come in. But <laughs> uh, I'll always be searching for a bigger one of the thing poster. I mean, uh, looking through the book, you seem to dabble with a few different designs before settling on that one. Yeah, with the thing, I was. I remember that they they offered it to me. At the time, if you Googled sort of alternative The Thing poster, there was a million posters. Some of them not so good, I have to say. You know, the alternative poster one is a strange. It's a strange beast. You know, it's uh, it's um, you know, there's a lot of stuff on the internet, an awful lot of stuff. And, and when you Google The Thing, you know, it's one of the movies that absolutely a lot of people have had a crack at. So when they offered it to me, I was like, I kind of don't want to do this unless it's sort of um, Unless, unless I, f- I feel like I'm sort of bringing something to it, you know, because actually with posters as well, you c- it's very easy to make a, like a, I don't want to use that some inverted commas with the fingers thing, but like a typical poster, you know, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, I sort of feel like, you know, you're not adding anything to anything by, by doing that. And one of the things that Mondo have been very good at is, 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 you know, hiring artists that bring a sort of interesting take on something. And um, so with the thing, yeah, I was I was nervous about doing it. I was sort of I came up with a few more kind of regular, you know, kind of ideas of like the spaceship crash in the snow with a crack going towards the spaceship, and or you know, or or a crack in the ice with the thing logo kind of as the crack in the ice and things like that. But it, it wasn't particularly. I wasn't. I just wasn't very inspired by them. And then I just started thinking about um, you know, those old almost Victorian drawings of circuitry, you know. Um, these kind of medical drawings that are kind of woefully almost sort of inept because they were of their time and they were just sort of cutting open a body and then just trying to draw it. And then, I mean, but they're kind of amazing because of that, but, but there's sort of something, um, there's something descriptive about that kind of drawing that I felt was, had a, was, had a resonance with the thing and the way that the organism in the film kind of worked. So I started thinking about a kind of a circuit, a circuitry sort of, you know, drawing, um, and how I'd approach that, and um, and that's where it came from, really. You know, th- then I got excited about doing the original, and I, I don't know whether you, I've mentioned a few times, I, the original is actually I blew ink through a straw to get the kind of circuitry kind of effect in, in the drawing, which was like a you know, like a seven year old kid would do kind of thing. But there was just something, there's something that felt felt okay about it, and the, and then the final image, you know, it didn't really look, look like an. Um, uh, a thing poster that I'd seen before, so I, so I was kind of okay. Well, that, that's what I set out to do, and, and and that's what it is. And so, thanks. I'm, I'm glad you like it because it was a little bit of a risk, but I kind of felt like I wanted to try and do something hopefully interesting. 
Well, I feel like I'll appreciate it even more now that I know the trade secret of uh, blue ink through a straw. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, no, literally. I was. I remember doing it in here. It was at night times. I can't remember. What, maybe I had deadlines. And I was working on it in the evening, and it was all dark. But I had like a plastic straw, literally like a kit. You know, remember those things at school you used to blow through to get like a. Psh, you know, mm-hmm. That's what. That's what I did. And it, but it just gave the. It, you know that brilliant way in the film that, that the organism is kind of, it will, it just kind of, you know, expands. It, it can just grow and, and push out in, in a really organic way. And, and um, that's what I try. That, that, that method gave me that in a drawing. You know, I'm not sure I could, could have been able to, to do it um, by hand in quite the same way. It just gave everything a, an energy that I really liked. Yeah. I mean, you've, you've done posters for Pan's Labyrinth, Last House on the Left, Dread, Shaun of the Dead. Well, the Cornetto trilogy in general, actually. Halloween, Cannibal Holocaust, the list goes on. Are there are there any movies on your bucket list that you have a killer idea for? Not really. No, I kid. But um, no, uh, I've, I'm very lucky. I've, I've got to I've got to tick tick lots of boxes. Um, yeah, when I first spoke to Mondo, I, I I had a bucket list, and there was Cannibal Holocaust on there. There was Zombie Flesh Eaters. Uh, a lot of the sort of more kind of horror end of things that I loved um, because, but then I started doing some of the bigger titles for them, you know, after that. And, you know, doing the Star Wars trilogy was, was, was great. Um, uh, Halloween was a favorite. The thing was a favorite. Um, yeah, no, I, um, yeah, I've, I've been really lucky to be honest. Um, I've, I've managed to tick a lot of boxes. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. And then, just finally, are there any characters you'd like to work on in the big bad comics world, or does creator own work seem more appealing for the future? No, I mean I'm working on a, 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 a one of the big two characters right now, which I'm writing and drawing, which is a, which oh, is um, a, amazing. Um, you know, in comics world, it's probably the biggest thing I've done in lots of ways. So I'm super excited about it. Um, it's going to be announced next month. And this is the thing I was saying that's been taking me longer to draw, but I'm I'm really I'm really pleased with what I've been doing, which is quite rare for me. So um, I'm really excited about that. But uh, yeah, I've, I, you know, Dread, Batman, you know, uh, maybe Daredevil, maybe you know, I feel like I'd, I could I could I could um, I'd quite enjoy drawing the city and Daredevil. But um, uh, again, I don't. I feel like I've been very lucky and I've managed to tick a lot of boxes. So there's nothing really pressing. I'm, I'm excited about doing more more original stuff, um, but also flirting with the with the big two characters when I can because it's you know because it's they're they're great to draw. Well, I managed to get the information out of you that there's a crowd scene and that there's cityscape, so that narrows it right down. <laughs> that's right. It's Super Bowl the story. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's pretty much all I've got for you. I mean, thank you so much for this. It, it's genuinely been a pleasure. I. You know, oh, thank you. Your, your your legacy will always be cemented at our store, not just because of your awesome body of work, but you were actually the first artist to interpret our logo. You know, we met you at Enniskillen Comic Fest yeah, a few years back. I remember. And we were barely open a year, you know, having such an established artist do a sketch for the store was incredible. And oh. I remember there was a little kid in the queue just in front of us. We were third in line. We, we actually closed the store that day just to come and see you because I'm such a... A, a raving fanboy but uh i heard well, the little kid you. ask you for a sketch and i was i said to to vicky do you think you'd do a sketch for us if i asked and it's like well, if you don't ask you don't get and you actually looked at me slightly confused when i said will you do an interpretation of the logo it was like what 
right okay leave it with me but uh yeah i mean since then you know building on that foundation you've laid we've had jim cheng draw superman drinking a coffee for us pj holden drawing dread drinking a coffee joshua Casara drawing wolverine with a coffee loads of customer interpretations and then just today actually we had declan shelby shared on twitter he's done a daredevil drinking a coffee sketch for us that's <laughs> on its way to the store so your legacy is cemented forever coffee wow. <laughs> That's amazing. No, thank you. It was lovely to meet you guys. And, and I'm glad the store's still going strong. Yeah, four years later, still going strong. So right. thanks again for this. And uh, we'll definitely look forward to what's coming next. We'll, we'll keep a keen eye for announcements in the next four to six weeks then. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me on. Absolute pleasure. Thanks again. Cheers. Cheers.